get your shoulder pads ready because it's time for Infra Black Archive for War of the Sontarans, the second uh, chapter of Doctor Who Flux. The only show that when you subscribe to us on a Patreon we don't have will send you free shoulder pads with your donation. So really they're not free. No. And shoulder pads are not guaranteed from our Patreon, which definitely doesn't exist. So hello and welcome to Info Black Archive. As always, we're here to sit down and watch the latest Doctor Who, which for once is actually the latest Doctor Who. It's in colour. Yes, well, we're almost we're almost getting used to the to the brightness and the weird feeling of modernity that we're now getting from 2021 Who as opposed to 1960s Who. Yeah, it's quite nice. Also, it's not animated. Which is also good. It's it's live action. Could you argue it's CGI's animation, though? Mm, yeah. I, see, this is the interesting thing, where you start getting into what is sort of like traditional animation. And yeah. I suppose CGI is like a, a modern evolution of animation, but it's yeah. not traditionally animated in the other way. Oh, that is a minefield you do not want to get into. <laughs> People yeah. argue about this a lot. But yeah, it is half an hour since the episode finished as we're recording this. The War of... Nope. I keep calling it the War of Sontarans. No, it but is it's just War of the War Sontarans, it? it? It must be just because I'm used to the old... The power of the Daleks, the evil of the yeah. Daleks, etc. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically like that. It's nice to have an of the alien again. It feels yeah. kind of classic. Yeah. It... Should we just go straight into it? What was your impressions of it? Did you like it? I think, genuinely, and without an ironic bone or without an ironic tone in this, I think this is one of the better Chibnall episodes. You thought last week one was one of the better Chibnall episodes as well. Do you well, think? I think it's improving. I, I mean, I thought the first one was was decent. It was a good starting off point, wasn't it? It was more questions than answers. We yeah. really got last, and we were kind of introducing all the chess pieces. We didn't know where they stood in the puzzle and everything. We're now starting to get slightly more of an idea of what the flux has caused although we still don't really know why it's happened or how it's happened that's not the point really at the moment but the main thing we're learning is flux happens sontarans happen and everywhere yeah it's it's caused us a quite a few problems it caused them quite a few problems hasn't it yes so because when we show up actually i think the best way to do this episode when we talk about it Mm. is we can talk about it sort of by storyline because there's Mm -hmm. three key storylines going on Mm -hmm. in this episode we have the doctor and mary seacole in the crimean war which instead of fighting russians is fighting sontarans okay the second timeline present day earth liverpool where dan is Mm -hmm. and the sontarans there as well and the third timeline is what on earth is going on with the temple of atropos there were pretty much three storylines there weren't there yeah there's three storylines they're all Loosely connected. I mean, definitely one and two, or the Sontaran ones have more links. Yeah. The third one is is definitely the one that seems to be more in line with what's mm. to come or what the overarching arc is, whereas the first two are more about sort of, well, this is your episode, this is your your plot. So a general criticism of this era of Doctor Who is that the Doctor is best when she's separated from her companions. Mm. Do you think this theory still holds water specifically with this one because she is spending... More or less, the entire episode alone with Mary Seacole. Absolutely, she's miles better. <laughs> she's miles better. It's be- it's because there's very little holding her back. The good thing is, and I think this is actually less to do with just the Doctor being a better character, it's actually Mary Seacole's really well written. 
Yeah. Because that works. So the fact that Mary's good means that the Doctor is in a better place to thrive. Because the thing is, the contrast between Mary Seacole and, say, Yaz yeah. is so big. You know, even in the five minutes the Doctor and Yaz are really together in this episode, Yaz is mainly spending a whole time just going, the Crimean War. So, Yaz, you must know about the Crimean War. That's it's normal history. It's nothing major. To be but, fair, I didn't know much about it until researching for Doctor Who. But even so, you should know what it is. I mean, that's literally all it is. And Yaz is like, where are we? What is this? I think we're very time. quickly here finding out why I failed my GCSE in history. Oh, it's fine. It's the Crimean isn't that. <laughs> as long as it, all it is is just like, do you know what the Crimean War... Do you know that it happened? And Yaz doesn't come up as a character like she understands that it happened. I know that there are some viewers who won't know what the Crimean War is. Yeah. And so you have to do the question but you you could do it in a slightly less obvious like well let's just weaken a companion character that was already weak to do that i mean yeah there are flaws with this but when you get the doctor alone yeah less holding her back maybe is that is that harsh to say yeah should we go on to characters since we're already essentially here mm. i thought dan first time fly, flying solo did very good it's very it's very donna yeah, I find I did. I nearly said it to you while we were watching it, particularly when her pa- when his parents were there. I I very nearly said to you it it feels like it's it's Donna and her parents, granddad well, and. Well, yeah, Dan's parents reminded me a lot of how um Wilf and Sylvia yeah. were during the Solid Earth when yeah. they had the paint gun. Yeah. So there's kind of similar, and there's a lot of um, references to Poison Sky that are really hidden and really clever. Yeah, and even the first Zontaran uh, episode with Sarah <clears throat> Jane Smith. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because there's there's um the links to um well I say links. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> there they, we go. I've already they, said it. They said it's something along the lines of it goes back to our to- time of links trying to take over this planet, always failing and all that that kind of thing. Which is brilliant. It's 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 an under- it's uh, we always like here at Nerd HQ um <laughs> the little callbacks to things just to prove that we were there and happens. And this is why I'm saying that Chibnall in this episode's done a good job. Yeah. It's a good mix of the stories engaging. Mm-hmm. The characters are pretty well written for the most part. You're intrigued as to why things are happening. Yeah. So you're still being built up on a kind of momentum and you're getting these you're getting good bits of comedy and little callbacks to things you've seen before. It's hitting all of the notes. It makes you think, why on earth didn't you do this two series ago? I think it's leaning into what we previously said. It's a multi-story season. It plays to his strengths. And it's playing to his strengths at the moment. So far, anyway. I mean, it could all... By episode six, we could go, oh, he's completely timeless children. <laughs> but, but for now, it's a decent start. Well, look at it this way. He's got six... He's got six episodes in which he doesn't need an ending. Well, five episodes in which he doesn't yes, need an ending. Yes, which he just do cliffhanger after cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about characters. Yeah. How did you think about Dan? I... Yeah, I think Dan's gone pretty well. It's... Some of his humour, it's not like 100% perfect. Some of it's maybe a little bit repetitive, but I think by and large it works. I like the fact that Dan kind of just bumbles his way through. Yeah, somehow successfully still does it. Yeah, because he, but but the thing is you sort of allow him to do it as an audience member because he's likeable and he has the kind of drivenness that the Doctor's already seemingly instilled in him. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit quick, but we'll we'll go with it. I explicitly liked that from the beginning, how it's still very much... Yaz introducing Dan for Doctor rather than the other way around, which is normally the Doctor just being introduced to mm. the Doctor. You can see that pairing is very different to normal. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how um, you'd have it in the old episodes. Like, I mean, I know it wasn't done very well, but you remember the Time Meddler? 
where we meet, uh, well, don't fully meet because obviously the episode's lost, but we meet Stephen for the first time and Vicky is still kind of like showing Stephen the way. Yes, I think I know what you're on about. Yeah. because It's not uh, Stephen's first episode. It's not Stephen's first episode, but it's the first one we see him in as a full yeah. companion because we lost the one before it. Oh, yeah. So it's the first one we have. Yeah. And in that, there was a dynamic there where Vicky had been in there longer, so she yeah. was sort of taking him around rather than, you know, William Hartnell was off seducing some barmaid. Uh, so it's similar to that. Yeah. I think it's working. Although, I think Yaz... I mean, what do you think about Yaz? Because I have my thoughts, but I'm more interested to hear what you, you actually think about her. Her plot this time round was the subplot, and it is very easy to have because she realistically didn't do anything this time. No, she got... Well, I think it's important to say that after two or three minutes, both Yaz and Dan kind of get zapped off for unknown reasoning or cause. Yeah. And Dan ends up in the in the, basically the second narrative, and Yaz ends up in the third narrative. And it really is the third narrative, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 pretty much only there to be like, ooh, but what happens after this episode? Ooh. Essentially, this is the best way to look at this episode. Plot one, one with the Doctor. Plot two with with Dan, are this episode's arc. Yeah. Well, the plot with Yaz. It's the plot for the whole season arc. Exactly. So Yaz's side is kind of put to one side while we process what's going through on this episode. But she's still there to sort of still keep us grounded in the initial plot with Swarm as your... Which obviously comes to a head by the end. And, and obviously Vinda's there as well. Yeah, yeah. Vinda gets involved. I mean, yeah, we still don't really get much of Vinda. There's a moment where Vinda seems kind of fighty, like he's willing yeah. to stand up for Yaz when Swarm has just show up. But that's really all we've got of his character so far. So still kind of a lot of questions about who he is, what his role in all of this is. Obviously, the Swarmers, you'll know him, interestingly, which means, obviously, that he must have some kind of influence on for them to name him because they seem like way above normal people. Yeah. So what did you think about Yaz? Because you said, which one? no, I thought, but then... It's just, uh, Yaz just isn't a good character. I don't care about her. There's nothing in the script that makes me want to it's just, oh, hello, this is Yaz. Yaz is here. There's almost... Yaz doesn't have any drive other than the Doctor. I think it... She's a passive character. I think this episode, even though it didn't show her that much, it showed her attempting to overcome that passiveness within herself because she's asking, had on her hand written the acronyms of what would the Doctor do. So she's constantly thinking about how the Doctor reacts to this situation. So yeah, I but, think, but that doesn't exactly make you an active character. That just means I'm going to copy an active character. To be fair to her, though, this wasn't active role in the plot. But these are issues that have been happening in a lot more episodes. It's just Yaz shows up in a place, and, and because she's inactive, and also because there's no reason for her to be active, which is even more important in the yeah. plot... The result is, whenever we watch the scenes, we're not really interested in Yaz. We're interested in that plot because of all of the things that it suggests about um, time, really. And we're interested about what it all means for the, for the overall narrative. We're not there for Yaz. We're just there for other reasons. But yeah, that's the main character. Um, we could talk about, obviously, sides. We can talk about the Sontarans in a bit, generally, because... We're missing for, for character for the whole show's named after. What, The Flux? No, for Doctor. Oh, we always talk about the Doctor. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, well, what did you think then of Jodie? 
I think as we were saying earlier, she works best when she's alone without her companions. All with different characters yeah. in this case. We saw it in with Spyfall in season what in season two of her run. Yeah. We've seen it in other times, which I can't remember off my head, but we've seen it again before. It's this recurring thing which once you separate from her companions, she does really well. Well yeah, she's not held back. Yeah. It's like there's nothing to, to almost stop the story in its tracks. She just moves on. And I should say, I mean, I know I've mentioned it already, but Mary Seacole's done really well. Mm-hmm. And she's just a good character generally, and she's very active and, and strong in the story. And you and you get a care about her because she seems like a caring person who has her own drives. See, that's the difference. Yaz doesn't have any of that. And that wasn't in the last episode either. Mary Seacole gets that in 10 minutes, and she's a good character for it. It's If you have the foundation there, you're much more likely to be a good character. And then also, I should mention really, really quickly, and then I think we'll move on mm-hmm. to the plot, about um, the marshal that we meet in a book. Uh, Log- Log- Phil Marshall Logan's his name, who is the commander. Oh, yeah, commander um, guy. Who reminds me a bit of Christmas Invasion Harriet Jones, if you know what I'm getting at. Not really. Well, you know in Christmas Invasion, oh, yeah, 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 you're there ends. now. How it ends. Yeah, exactly how it ends. It's almost like a direct copy of how it ends, where um, even though they've agreed to strategically withdraw, if you can see my um, inverted commas I'm making, uh, he just blows them up anyway. A cowardly war crime style move. To be fair, it's not the first time it's done in Doctor Who. Absolutely not. We see it in... Doctor Who and the Sly Orians in John Pertwee's first season. The Brigadier does the exact same thing. The Doctor breaches a peace agreement. They go back and then uh, the Brigadier gives the go-ahead for them being blown up. Mm. So it's not... Yeah, it was it, just, It's interesting it's, to see that dynamic, though. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue which it's Chibnall copying when it's being done so many times. No, I'm before. not saying it's copying at all. I'm saying it's a reassertion of the Doctor's values in this series. Yeah. The Doctor is still where we think it is. Yeah. So that was nice. And it was a, it was good to see a character that was just kind of very, very flawed, even though they did actually have good intentions. Like all of their actions were well-intended. They just went about it in the wrong way. That's always a very good, very well-written character, very well-written really? arc. I, I think he's do, a bit one-note. but it's, do, you, do you think, generally speaking he thought which he would be able to win against that many Sontarans. I don't think he thought he could win, but I think I sort of admire that he tried, even though he was dumb, in a way. And then also, not to say I'm defending that character, because obviously he's an idiot, and obviously he makes the wrong choices. What I'm saying is it's not like a character you despise just because they're idiots and they have no drive to be idiots. They're just, oh, I'm evil because of it. Yeah. They end up being evil almost by accident, Mm -hmm. which is a much more interesting thing to watch. Because they're not inherently bad people. They just make bad choices. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up. Well acted as well. You've got really that like, punchable face. Mm-hmm. I, I like when you get like, a proper punchable face. For some reason... You'd be a good actor to do that. Have you ever watched Ghosts? I've not watched Ghosts, no. It's hard to make this comparison then to you. But in Ghosts, we've got the captain, the captain character. And for some reason, his face just reminds me of him. Mm, all right. It, yeah. It's hard to discuss it with you. Since yeah, you I have no idea. But Ghosts fans, let us know if that if that um, comparison is accurate. Okay, I think we've got through the characters. So, plot-wise, should, should we just go ABC? Because I think it makes sense to go ABC. First, let's look at that cliffhanger then. So, how it went from cliffhanger from episode one to episode two. 
Well... Obviously, the start point is effectively the end of the universe. There's really no way to not write that. Yeah. So they've pretty much just had to go, forget that happened. Yeah. Uh, and we've we've just ended up in a new story. I suppose it was the only way to get out. It, it's just the most lazy way because I don't even... They don't really attempt to explain it either. They just kind of go, oh, look, we're here. TARDIS magic done. It's plot convenience. I think if you had to nail down what, what the biggest episode, sorry, what the biggest issue with this episode was, yeah, is just plot convenience. There's a lot of conveniences that happen, but we'll get into those as we go. I'm sure. So we, we start out like that, and the main thing we obviously figure out is that there are Sontarans in Crimea now, which is cool, and yeah. I'm happy that we just kind of went straight in with that rather than having to figure it out after 10, 15 minutes. We're just here. We are. Sontarans are here. It's cool. Enjoy it. Yeah. But but we're not with everyone for the same amount of time as we were discussing earlier. They disappear. Yeah, they zap off. Yeah. Do you know why they zap off, or do you think it's important why they zap off? Because to me, it just kind of sounds like a oh, I need to have three plots going. Let's just move them in different places. I think the I feel like it's something to do with Swarm and Azure just separating them off. Hmm. But I equally feel like it was done purely for the sake of having people separated yeah although then again doesn't the doctor say when flux energy collides with vortex energy something like that it's not really well explained but perhaps that's kind of a hint about why that sort of thing could happen but why what the doctor doesn't know anything about the flux why would she know that maybe she's just speculating it's just disorder against order because obviously the vortex kind of represents the order of time and flux is kind of the disorder of time perhaps it's that yeah i don't know it as you were saying, it feels more plot device. We need to have these three plots going off at one point. Yeah, so they get split off. And thank goodness they do, really, because that's actually what leads to the good thing about the A narrative, which is the Doctor is split off um, from the companions. And gets a companion of the week, anyway, with Mary. Yeah. I, re- I really like Mary. Yeah. Yeah, but just for context as well listeners this is our second time recording this question yes, happens we are going to make references to the first recording i am st- i was wondering whether i could get away with that but we can't no so because you, you last time you were saying that she was a very strong character which i i do think she has strength because she has a clear drive yeah. which is always a great start and she makes her own choices but to be fair, Owen then maybe may have came back and made me realise that none of those choices really because, affect the plot. Because if you think about what Mary Seagull does... Mary Seacole. Se- Mary Seacole does... Mary Mary Seagull this whole time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about whatever she does, nothing she does affects the plot. Because if you take Mary Seagull out and just replace the, um, the, whole, the nurse character with sort of like a an unspeaking extra role. The story wouldn't change. Like, yes, she's told to do observations. Yes, she notices about the Evoric Valve stuff. But the Doctor already knows this stuff. Like, we mentioned about how they can't survive in our air back in the old... Uh, Sontaran, Stratagem, Poison Sky, Double Parter, yeah. that gets mentioned. Because yeah. that's, that's why they use atmospheres to try and get all the gases that are Sontaran friendly out into the atmosphere on Earth. Yeah, so... All of this stuff is, it might not be known to the users. I think Sigurd's main purpose there is to give that information to the viewer in an organic way. Perhaps. But equally, 
if we're looking at this outside of that sort of scenario and how this would affect the story if she wasn't there, yeah, mm. it doesn't. She, because you were saying the only choice she make, makes was one to keep that on Tyrone. Yeah, because obviously it sort of kick-starts the narrative that the Sontaran is in place. I don't think it would have made a big difference because if you wanted to rewrite it, you would just say, Doctor knocks out a Sontaran in the field and takes them back. Or finds a fallen Sontaran and and helps it up. And s- Yes, you could do it in another way and you'd have the same kind of narrative outcome. But it, this is the way that almost justifies Seacole's presence is it kind of kick-starts. And then she's sort of a friend to the Doctor at that point. Yeah. It's weird. From all we've, we've talked about this episode, from all I think not much really happens in it. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of fun, but there's not a lot of plot development and there's a lot of convenience and things that kind of just happen because they can to get the hour done and you feel like you've had a satisfying story. Because we, the Doctor sends off for Sontaran, goes off elsewhere, uh, s- s- follows for Sontaran to give the message. The message is given, Sontaran is killed. And then we... The doctor calls a meeting. We have massive exposition, which I've, is the biggest flaw in this episode. And lots of shit more run. It is just exposition. Like they just stood there talking at each other for a good five mm. minutes. Nothing's happening. They just stood there talking. Yes. And it just feels tiring. Anyhow, the, the what happens after that? is that we have sort of Field Marshal Logan arrives and is very much like we're going to charge the Santarans. Obviously, he's a bit dumb. I sort of mentioned whether it was earlier in the first recording or later on re-recording that I quite like the fact that Field Marshal Logan isn't an evil character in that traditional kind of cliched sense. I think you were just saying that as we cut off. Was I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'll say it again just in case we don't have it. Uh, Basically, I like that he's a character... The in sort of theory has well has good intentions, but the way he goes about them is very bad. Yeah, doesn't make him evil necessarily, but it does make him bad, just for bad reasoning. Yeah, which but, is more interesting. But then we then come around. We, for Doctor is essentially kept back. She, she goes all Vulcan sleep fighting techniques yeah, and makes a bit Vulcan, sleep. isn't it? it it's out of left field, isn't it, really? That yeah, it's just, and they do this really interesting camera effect when all of a sudden you have this all of a sudden like, quick shaky cam zoom in. And it's very not who. Yeah. A lot it, of different camera stuff they're trying this series. Which, I mean, last series, last episode worked perfectly. I love. Yeah, the, I think it wasn't bad. I it's love, just interesting that they're going for stuff. Yeah. I love the direction from last last episode. Um, the same that, director, actually. Yeah. Both. It, it just felt a little bit out of left field and not doctory, that mm. specific where they did that bit there, but then she becomes separated. Predictably, it all goes to slaughter because you've got, yes, a load of English men waving <laughs> their flags, but for Zontarans have got lasers and probably twice as many people. Uh, but yeah, no, it all goes badly wrong. They realise which the doctors, right? They give power over the doctor. Uh, and then we get the ending, which I feel like... It's is plot the- convenience are us. I really want to say that. It's... I'm not going to say best plot ending in first three plots because plot C with Yaz doesn't really have an ending. It's got a cliffhanger. It's got a cliffhanger. So we've only really got Dan and Doctor's ending to talk about. Mm. It's it's the most 
basic path to the ending, but it felt the most satisfying because we had for build up, we had for connections with the sleeping time and all of that stuff. But there just wasn't any resistance because, as James will tell me and tell us, which well. in, sto- <laughs> in, in story, you need to have character notices there's a problem, character tries to solve problem, there's resistance to solving problem, he solves problem. There was um, there's an old rule in writing, which is you don't have a story until you can answer five questions. And one of them, because I can't remember some of them at the moment, and they've lost my head, is, um, is quote, the but. What is standing in the way of the character from doing the thing that they want? Yeah. It's always like, you have a character, they want to do something. They will try and do this to get it. Yeah. But this will happen, which means they have to resolve it doing this. Yeah. That, yeah, those are the five things. Sorry, I do remember them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, one of the biggest ones, you have to have a but, because if you don't have something in the way, then there's no there's no reason for you to care. The reason that the, the first cliffhanger works in the last episode from the week before is that the end of the universe is a pretty big obstacle yeah. to get over. It's like, oh, the universe certainly has to be tough. It's such a big obstacle, they decide they can't be bothered to solve it. <laughs> but you cared before they yeah, didn't solve yeah. it, you know. Uh, with this, because the... Basically, the obstacle is that the Santarans are great at war, but don't worry, every seven and a half minutes they just decide all to sleep at once, leaving their entire strategic base undefended. I'm getting moved. Um, and surely, look, I'm not saying I'm a military strategist, but I, ha- but I did play Command and Conquer once. Yeah. I would have thought you would have separate teams for that. Yeah, because, like, yes, we get, we get given the fact which... The Sontaran's soldiers are a little bit thick. Yes. But they're also an army race. And to be an army race, you need to have some army intelligence and some strategy there. Like, it could be bad strategy. It could be terrible intelligence. But equally, that isn't that much of strategy. The Sontarans are clearly able to colonise several species. So they have to be good at it. Yeah. It's just, it's just in the plot... Christian decides they're not going to be good at it for seven and a half minutes. And instead of making that, that even works if they've done that, if they like wake up and have a fail. So they just wake up and they're like, oh God, we've been beaten. And they go out and the doctor's like, I've beaten you. They're like, yes, you have. We won't retreat. We'll make a tactical withdrawal. Which is funny. Doesn't get over the fact it's ridiculous. Um, there's a on the yeah. side. And that's basically how the A plot ends. Because yeah. a lot of, a lot of what happens is kind of more linked to the B plots. So it's more mentionable with the B. But, Worth mentioning, in VA plot, we have the best Chipnall line to date. I would like to describe this again in the exact same way I did it in the original recording. Good, you go. So, there is a particular scene in this episode, which I think is worth noting, where the Doctor's basic plan is to fool this Sontaran guy uh, to get the Commander to visit her for information, basically, and so she can find out what's going on. So it's basically an exposition scene. So the Doctor asks, why are you in Crimea? Why have you started your old invasions there? And Commander Skak, who is the representative, says, you know, Crimea seems a good place to start. Fighting works for us. And then said, also, I wanted to ride a horse. Of course he wanted to ride a horse. Like, this, this the story of our horses have travelled the galaxy. They're just such amazing creatures. Even even the Sontaran wants to ride a horse. I think it's cool to ride a horse. Owen, you've ridden a horse, as I've now found out. Yeah. In the original recording, which yeah. destroyed the shock of this. Yeah. 
I amongst to, many other things. I used to ride horses. Yes, because there was like a there was a staples as you as you said at the first. There was a staples near you. Yeah, where where horses could be rode. Uh, yeah. So I've I've ridden horse before. It's really cool. I've never done it in combat. I've just sort of done it on like you know those guided horse tour things when you're sort of running around and see nice bits of nature. And like, oh, that's nice. I used to gallop around and canter. Use canter. Yeah. Some advanced techniques. Yeah. Doing that with a horse. Yeah. I was reasonably okay if I remember correctly. What's the craziest thing you ever rode? I don't know, James. I don't think I've ridden anything crazy. What's the craziest thing you've ridden? Well, I rode an elephant, Owen. What did that do to your manly parts? Oh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you can never, you really can never bring back the magic of a recording, can you? No. You just can't. <laughs> I should I should mention, okay, riding an elephant's really cool. It's you know, you're on top of an elephant, you feel like you're king of the world for a bit. The problem is you sit on the top, they've got a particularly sharp backbone, it goes up where you don't want it to. After twenty minutes, you don't you wanna be anywhere else other than that elephant because it's just bouncing you up and down and yeah, it's pain. Lots of pain. Good fun though. We'll do again. Cool. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room. Plot B. And yes, I'm stealing your yes, segue. Yes, you just stole my segue of the original plot. You're listening there. Like, oh, you're not reading the original the, the, plot. The, 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 maybe I corrupted the audio just so I could use that one segue. Well, I... If you made me stay here an hour, just you'd steal one of my segues on murder. <laughs> no, I haven't. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, from the A plot to the B. So the B plot is really Dan's story. And this is where we... We sort of got a bit of Dan alone at the start. We were introducing his character in the first episode. This is Dan in action more. Yeah. Uh, Dan is zapped back home, uh, Liverpool, a couple days after he left. Yeah, three days, I think they say, isn't it? Two or three, yeah. His house is gone still, so we know that that still happened. The Flux hasn't rewritten anything. Yeah, that was what I was using to sort of like tell whether he travelled there pre-Doctor or post-Doctor. Yeah, but yeah, no house clearly means it's post. Yeah. And we find out the Sontarans have invaded Earth. Yeah, a second before the Lupari put their shields up in what was called what they're calling the three minute eclipse, which is basically the flux being bad away. Yeah, the Sontarans managed to slip in at the last second with an invasion fleet, and that's where they're leading this whole challenge from. They managed to set up quite a big base in three days. Sontarans, they're a great they're a great war race. They well, were only stopping for seven and a half minutes every twenty seven hours, as you know. Yeah. At identical times. So yeah, they work hard, but for seven and a half minutes... No chance for humans could have taken over in that seven and a half minutes. No, well, you couldn't do that. How no. would they know to unplug the right wires? I thought more of they could have just legged it in there and just overpowered them. <laughs> well, there's a really there's a really hilarious bit where they're... Because um, we meet Dan's parents in this, at this very kind of journey's end it, It's very, very much the feeling which we got between... Um, Wolf and Sylvia. Yeah. The, yeah, because Wolf had like, the paintball gun and... It's the very same feel of banter, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of banter to them. And they also mentioned how they figured out, because they know what the probic vent is, which I should say they shouldn't, because they should really just call it the hole at the back. Surely they didn't figure out that it was called the probic vent. Yeah. Unless I... we're saying that everyone remembers the Sontarans from the Atmos thing, but surely that isn't canon anymore, because they did the Big Bang and that's... Yeah, because yeah, it d- that bit there doesn't make any sense. Really, yeah, does why it? they actually know it's called the probe? It makes sense that they know it's the weak spot. Yeah, because you, you were telling me how this is essentially this yeah, one this is really cool, point actually. is essentially the in joke for Liverpool. So when I I have a few friends up there and I did a film in Liverpool a few months ago 
uh, filming up there. And uh, a friend of mine who was doing it sort of lives over the other end of Liverpool. So between Liverpool and where they were is Birkenhead. Yeah. which is literally just on the other side of the River Mersey. And Birkenhead has this reputation within Liverpool for being a bit rough and a bit like just full of really like ridiculous things going on. And you're just like, oh yeah, it's just Birkenhead. And there's a joke in this episode that they find out that they can attack the Suntaran at the weak spot because some drunk guy with a mallet yeah. went, <laughs> went up to the Suntaran and just hit it in the back and it worked. And they and they say, oh, it's from Birkenhead. So yeah, Birkenhead. And that's exactly what people say. I mean, when we drove through Birkenhead, the first thing I saw was this basically this top with guy on could like a kid's bike <laughs> seriously it, it was like it was it was during the heat wave i was like yeah. you know the 30 degree one in july so he's yeah. almost naked yeah on basically a kid's bike i'm just like yes birkenhead everyone just looks at that and goes that's entirely normal i like how this is one joke for one city in the uk for this international show and then people in america are just gonna be sat there going what <laughs> the americans the americans what? the americans must have no idea what birkenhead is where's Liverpool America right Americans who are listening to the show Birkenhead if you've ever been to Florida think that Florida man equals Birkenhead man to some extent just go with it <laughs> yeah I just love how there's so many like really local Pacific jokes which I don't even get as someone from England yet it's for this international yeah, TV it's just in this show global show and that's nice it's, it's nice but it's just weird having been up to Liverpool it's from what I know of it, at least, and look, I'm not saying I'm definitely the purveyor of the authentic Liverpool experience or anything like that. I mean, you can tell by how I sound, uh, but it we're, seems we're, on the ball. We're both Southerners, aren't we? We're very, very Southern. We you can't get any more Southern really than where we are on the on, on the tip, frankly. Yeah, right on the tip. Um, definitely not Liverpool way. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's interesting to see that joke come up. We get to see Dan sort of. Very impulsively, almost, just so I'm going to go and invade this sort of Suntaran and basically what's going on. And with almost astonishing ease, is able to get into one of the time ships. I always hate it when people can just sneak into somewhere where it should be heavily guarded. Unless we're being led to believe, maybe. That the Doctor we're... taught them that, I guess. I'm thinking more in this instance. Maybe Dan just happened to be wandering through in the seven and a half minute gap. I've just found a plot explanation for this, James. That's not a plot explanation. That is finding excuses for bad plotting. <laughs> no, that's a plot explanation. That's finding excuses and you that's know it. That's a plot explanation, James. That's <laughs> not a plot explanation. I wouldn't get away with that when I was doing script writing. You don't get away with that now. I'm, I am. <laughs> but yeah, now, but- he's only been with the Doctor for half a day, so we cannot use that as the excuse of he just knows how to do stealth no, against aliens no. he's never met. I still think it's for seven minutes. For seven minute break. They're obviously moving around. <laughs> we see that while he's sneaking in, they literally shoot some men. They're, they're Which for... is also Journey's End vibes, actually, I should say. Because we were mentioning Sylvia and Will. Like, that's almost like when they do the reality bomb test. They're just for small backup force to cover them over that small... F- Where were they in Crimea, Owen? The Crimea ship was a small scouting ship. There were so many ships. <laughs> a lot of small scouting ships. Yeah, it's a small scouting crew with not that many Sontarans. So they, they couldn't have the staffing. They haven't been able to set themselves up in the correct rhythm yet. As Dan gets sneaks into the time ship... <laughs> um, Do not approve of this. As Dan sneaks in there, he... <laughs> 
he is able to communicate with the doctor yeah. somehow via via essentially Sontar Zoom. He, um, he, he just presses random buttons. Yes, and Zoom happens. Yeah. Really strange. Just lots of like, oh, he's done that. I That's the other thing I hate when they just act in TV shows, not just Doctor Who, in TV shows, but they just accidentally happened to zoom into the right top in for right period we saw it actually in faceless once yeah we did actually That's that was point. pre-zoom and it's just sort of the most irritating plot device because it's just accidental and no one means it are we saying that the faceless ones predicted zoom yes cool that's canon done yep hold that in there um yeah so they do that and that's when we figure out because i remember when we were saying before that you weren't sure why the A and the B plot had to be there because we have a Sontaran invasion already. Why yeah. have it in two periods of time as opposed to well, just one? It just feels like it's an excuse to go to an oldie timey place. Mm. I get that, but I do allow it to some extent because Chibnall kind of said that, well, the Sontarans originally got in in 2021 and want the plan is to go back through time and this is their first attempt at doing it. So going back to 1850. So we're seeing essentially the pilot run. Yeah of this so they've already started the scheme so it makes sense in terms of the Sontaran's end goal but then if we're crashing jumping ahead a bit to the ending here for ending for Dan and Dogman whose name is Carbonista Carbonista Carbonista, the beautiful space dog Carbonista is to drive through the space time ships to create a temporal explosion which should then explode up their entire plan but then we also need to explode the ships in both the doctor's plot and dan's plot actually they don't i don't think they do explode the ship in the doctors because field marshal with the fires i think done that already it's how how i got that how i sent that but my point here is is that why did the doctor need to worry about exploding them up if dan could have done it all on their side well, I suppose the Doctor's like, well, we'll take care of these ships, but to stop any ships arriving further back, Dan has to take care of that side. Yeah. So maybe it's yeah. just that. Yeah. It's... Dan has to take care of that yeah. side to stop any yeah. other things happening. Yeah. But then Carbonista, let's come back a little bit. Carbonista comes along and the banter between Dan and Carbonista is top notch. Best, best relationship yet. Best relationship in the series by far. They have this kind of brother-sister thing where they obviously... Don't hate each other, but they act like they hate each yeah. other. And they're annoyed by each other. Yeah. And Carbonista's got this just sort of, why on earth did I have to save you? This yeah. kind of species bonding thing, which is funny and kind of, it's kind of buddy comedy. Yeah. It, and it really brings out the best in John Bishop as well. Yeah. Speaking about John Bishop, I'm actually really impressed about how he is acting in this. Because we, before this, we when John Bishop was announced, we were so worried about his quality of acting. Yeah, we were sceptical, that's for sure. Because he hasn't really done any acting before. But yeah. it's actually really good. I mean, it's not like he's playing... And I remember we mentioned this last week, actually. Yeah. It's not like he's playing a character that isn't very much like I believe John Bishop is in the real world. But acting is still a lot more of feeling that emotion going through. He does through. do it. It does do it very well. You like you can tell when he's scared about things and when he's concerned about things. Like they do an entire found footage segment essentially in this episode. Mm, yeah, he's doing a sort of he's sending messages that aren't really important at all. No, because, they're not mentioned at all. Yeah, they're just they don't have any but, plot relevance, but he doesn't. But I feel like that sort of goes into his character because he just thinks they might help. So he's just doing it anyway. Yeah. Like 
yes, it's got no use in for plot, but it feels like how I would expect his character to behave. But but that's good because that means we know that Dan's a built character. Yeah. And that's something we haven't ever had. Like Graham had a bit of build. Yeah. A little bit. But but Dan already, after two parts of Flux, feels really well built. Like yeah. you un- you sort of have a sense of what Dan might do. And that's when you can start to really think there's a character there, when you get a sense of them as like a person. Yeah. You believe that they would exist without you thinking about them kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like despite our potential worries with John Bishop, he's he's surpassed our expectations yeah, of well. his acting. He's done really well. Which which is quite good. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the way that John Bishop and Dan have gone. Yeah. And Carvin East is making that even better. Because Carvin yeah. East, I think, is one of the best editions as well. Yeah. Because he's essentially just a big northern bloke who's a bit annoyed. Yeah. Who just so happens to be a space dog. But yeah. we all know he's a northern bloke. Yeah. Best space dog. Good boy. Yeah, he's a um, good boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Should we get a dog... Uh, we rate dogs on to rate rate him? Oh, I'd love we rate dogs on Carvin East. I'm amazed I haven't done it already. You've got to give that like a 16 out of 10. Flux uh, out of 10. Yeah. Maybe a 13 to go over series. Here's a question. What is better out of 10? Carvanista, yep. the space dog, yep. who we love, or the ending of the sensor rides? Ooh. On the scale of sensor rides to Carvanista, I'm probably going more towards Carvanista. So so there's a there's a sort of feeling that the sensor rides are present, but more more so Carvanista. Yes. I think that's the wrong answer. You know that the ending of the sensor is the best thing ever. I'm sorry, I forgot we dealt with the administrator. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> He's been dealt with! Nope. You can't even say which I led you on to this because that's my only bingo card slot which we had for this record. Look, I knew it was going to happen. It was a free hit. <laughs> we always mention the darn sensor <laughs> I've been deliberately not mentioning it myself, so you can't say which I deliberately mentioned it. Fine. I knew I was going to mention it, so just take it. I should also point out that I did get a bingo card point this we week, which you didn't even the, mention in your urge. We can discuss that at the end when we do for rating. Just Fine. So, just so we still keep on track. <laughs> I, will, I will keep my pride for a bit. Yep. Okay, so yeah, the B-plot ends with this whole temporal thing. And it... Yes, we've got issue of resistance with the Doctor end. But, but that this, really is bollocks. <laughs> it, this one here with Dan, it's just pure desert machina. It's a concept which is never mentioned previously or really after. It just kind of goes, oh no, we've run out of time. Let's just explode everything. Let's just yeah, ram it blow it, it all up and it'll implode them in time. Yeah. Which apparently happens for, for a reason. Yeah, it's just a bit... A bit of a dodgy ending. It's, it's just a- plot convenience. It's it is what is the easiest way to get me out of a corner. Yeah. The the, main, the best way to get yourself out of a corner, writers listening to this, don't write yourself into one. And <laughs> be smart. And like they literally get them they literally get themselves stuck in a corner because Carbonista and Dan is stuck in this room with some tyrants coming at each angle and they just go. Eh, blow a hole in the wall and go down down this waste pipe which yeah, just sometimes just so happen to miss all the shots yeah and there's just this waste pipe which Carbonista just happens to open up yeah it, I was saying as we as we saw John Bishop going down that hole I said to you there's some shots you can tell are just just for the trailer, <laughs> just for the trailer. like when the doctor was coming out of a mist into the Sontara and you could tell they were just thinking oh, we could use that for the trailer <laughs> they're even 
They're even there on set, like, it doesn't matter what we make, but if we market it, uh, let's get the marketing right. Right, now we can focus on what we're doing today. Episode? Now, that's actually my biggest criticism of Matt Smith's last season. I think it was his last season. Was this the, for one the where, Regeneration one with the day of the Doctor, 50th and... No, for, for one, for the series which contains Mary Pond, not Mary Pond. Emily. Mary Pond? <laughs> <laughs> for Pond's exit. Oh, right. That so that's season. like season seven, the yeah. first part of that. I think all the way through, because they essentially made like, like a load of movie posters. Mm. And the joke which everyone had with those movie posters was that they wrote, they did for movie posters first. And, and then, then had to come up with the plot after, and then yeah. they had That's why all the plots around that season were a bit poor. Mm. That's kind of like the inside joke. Whether it's true or not, I don't it know. It does kind of feel similar in it, some ways with the, with the trailer shots. It, it's look. It's a fun episode, and and you have fun while it's ha- while this bad ending is happening because Dan and Coveney start are having fun, and it, you kind of get with that. But you can't help but shake the fact that it's just we needed to end this, yeah. And we've just come up with the quickest, simplest, don't think about it solution. And also at the beginning, we go all original Doctor Who with the TARDIS being broken, so the Doctor can't take off. But then as soon as her plot line is finished, yeah, TARDIS is good. TARDIS is good. We're not giving any explanation about why it goes. Well, it's back. not good. No, we, it's just better. We, we get shown which it's actually breaking inside, but we're never really given a reason about why it was completely dead and now is all right. Mm. Although now it's, it's, it's all right, but it is getting hijacked, which is a good way to bring us onto this C plot. Yes. Which is uh, the temple of Atropos where Yaz has been. So yes. this plot is very much not this episode. It's more intended for what it, the whole of Flux is and where yeah. we're going. Because Vinda arrives kind of randomly. Yeah. And is met by essentially a time triangle. Yes, essentially, it's like a baby bell. Are baby bells triangles? No, they're circular. Isn't there a little triangle in the shape? Are they like an indent? Or am I totally lying to myself? There is a lot of chocolate like that, which I can't remember the name of, but it's not baby. No, not chocolate. Um, I mean cheese. There is a lot of cheese like that, but it's not a baby bell. Another cheese. Do you remember what it's called? No. Okay. Well, it's, that cheese, get in touch with it. It's like a creamy cheese, isn't it? Like yes, it is. It's like a creamy easy cheese. An easy-cuttable cheese. Yes. I've never had it because I don't like the idea of cheese in packets. But, um, yeah, I know about it. It's in a my spreadable head. cheese, isn't it? I believe, yeah, it might be. I don't know. Either way, it's a bit like that. Yeah. Um, it basically just comes up and goes, can you fix my thing? Which, if you've ever done tech support in any way, you <laughs> yes. know how irritating that is. Yes, mainly because I am that person <laughs> when it makes it Owen, can you repair? Owen. Essentially, when I was in street radio, that was essentially what happened. I would enter the room and there's people going, Owen, X is broken, can you fix it? And that's essentially what um, Vinda and Yaz fly into. Their tech support for time. But they don't really know what to do. Yeah, kind of just BSs her way through, thinking what would the doctor do? And then Leeds goes in acting confident. And then when Vinda's there and Yaz's there, they both kind of sit there and go, like, we have no idea what this is. What is this place? And to be fair, we don't really have any idea what this is because we're kind no. of given this... There's a bit where um, Vinda sort of asks for context and then the time triangle says that they are the Moori. Yeah. And the Moori effect of these, these guardians of time, at least that's how they're positioning themselves, they're in control of time. And if they were never not being in control of time, then it would be unleashed. Kind of like they were holding back a force. Yeah. But on the planet of time. Yes, the planet's called time. Yeah. Now, is this a quince? 
a coincidence like just time is n- named after the planet or is the planet named after time or what what's going on there mm. it's just a bit weird also time isn't a planet apparently but it is because the doctor says time's not a planet but here we are but is that just her memories being blocked from remembering which has a planet called time potentially yes because obviously that has been in the idea that her memories have been blocked incredibly quickly by whatever this is yeah um could be at work there Obviously, if you haven't known by now, Swarm and Azure have shown up. Yeah, Swarm and Azure show up. They they sadly kill our thing in need of support, and they kill the other thing in need of support. Yes. And then they go along and kill one of the, what they called again? Muri. Muri. And then they shove Yaz and Vinda in place. Yes, and then hijack the TARDIS and just bring the Doctor along for a ride. They're obviously very freaking powerful. They yeah. also have a new friend, which yes. I want to discuss. Passenger, I think his name is. Yes. He is very metal. Yes. And it just makes you wonder about what's happened to Die, doesn't it? I do not give credence to this idea that there's that, that dies inside this passenger thing. I, I admit, that obviously, the last time we saw Die was with... It was with Azure, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Azure in this kind of ghost house. But the thing is, we saw the ghost house for like a second, didn't we? When the Doctor sort of wakes up and she's a bit jarred and there's like a big house out of nowhere all of a sudden and then it never arrives but again. But was Die lost... It, it looked like Die went into a house but then got teleported out of a house and went into some sort of like swampland. Mm. So, I don't know that that it just in my eyes. Obviously, there's a question about where the die is. I imagine she'll turn up somewhere. Yeah. It would just be interesting if that it, was how. It's just odd to have. I know which Chibnall is very famous for doing odd writery things, um, but it's very odd to have a character essentially in conflict with another character, but then move one of the characters away, but then never show what happened to the other one. Mm. It's just a bit questionable. Yes. So I'm just putting two and two together and going, last we last saw die with Azure. But Azure's there you na- go. <laughs> now got a new buddy. Hmm. A silent metal guy who could be a robot suit or something. Yeah, basically just nothing other than look really cool in this yeah. episode and look really badass. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I personally have more theories about um, what's going on with um with the Mori and this whole time thing, I still have this interesting suspicion that might be weeping angels linked. And I did get this from Twitter, and I'm not sure how true it is. Sorry. I did get this from Twitter, I'm not sure how true this will be. But I think a lot of mentions of like proximity activated, that you can't see them unless you're looking at them. You've got them being there's mentions of them being quantum locked, but that the spatial temporal readings are zero. It's all very angelly, and we know that they show up in this. Proximity's story. got nothing to do with looking. Then that's just got something to do with closeness. Yeah, but but isn't it to do? You can't the, the angel can't really affect you from twenty miles away. It can only start affecting you from sort of around a distance where you can really see it. But that's the same for any any creature. They can't kill you unless they're in within some sort of closeness to you. Yeah, they sort of announce yourself in closeness and then you have to keep looking at them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I, wondering whether there's a I, link. And obviously they're linked to the Time Lords as well. So, and we know yeah. the Cybermen show up next episode, so maybe that's I, it. I don't think Yaz or anything like that. I don't think that side of it's got anything to the angels. Yes, angels are part of this season, but I think they're purely there just because they've figured Flux is creating all sorts of issues with time and that's something which they like to feed off. That is true. Yeah, so it could I've, just be as simple as that. I think it's going to be a more logical thing to do with that. I just hope for complex, smart things. I, I'm, a, I'm a hope. <laughs> I, I do hope which Yaz and Vinda do transform into, into something. something or something 
happens to them physically. Because we've heard which, the snap, haven't we? That's the yeah. cliffhanger. You actually do hear Swarm snap his fingers. Yeah. So, so it's happened. Something's happened to them. What it is... Like, if it's just they collapse and then they survive, I'm going to be very disappointed because they could have had something there which will be fun. Like I was saying previously, sort of like not give them time or powers, but sort of like have them have that regenerative sort of like flair going around them, mm. leaning into timeless children, but how the doctor had the ability to, well, for timeless child, whether that is the doctor or not, is up to d- discussion. Um, giving them the ability. I don't know. I feel like they need to give them something, some effect there. Yeah, either but, way, there has to be consequences now. Yeah. You can't just explain... We will allow you to explain the whole end of the universe away by just saying, well, the TARDIS throw him out. You can't explain something that has directly happened. Yeah, you can't do that... Essentially, you can't do that twice in a row. Yes. Because at that point, everyone's over me, they're going... Well, we, why should we get invested oh, look, in the cliffhanger? If we oh, look, you've done a cliffhanger. Oh, you're just, How are you going to rigger you out of this one? You're huh? just going to give up. One of them big dune sandworms just wriggling away. Yeah, so... I feel like they do need to be affected by something, but I don't think it's angel-related. I feel like that's too much of a leap. I'm dreaming. Yeah. But that pretty much brings us out to the end. Yes. So, final score-wise, where do you stand? Yeah, because I never actually gave my score before. No, because we figured out we had a recording issue. Please tell me there's not a recording issue. No, but it's recording. It's all good? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, what was your score? I'm probably going to give it around a seven. A seven. Because it's a very enjoyable watch. It's very enjoyable. I loved watching it. It, it was, kept you engaged. It was engaging. I kept questioning things. We're, we're having a full-on discussion here, which is very rare for some of the episodes. We're trying to yeah. work out what's going to happen next. We're trying to predict things, which is very good. However, it still falls foul of some of Chibnall's favourite things, which is overly expositional scenes. And I don't want to say questionable ending because I feel like they're better than some of other Chibnall's other endings. But still not for best endings. Yaz and Vinda. Not a lot to do. They, they, I think we go back to them like three times. Yeah. We, we, I mean, those scenes really are just there to, to kind of set up things moving forward. It's not about this episode at all. Also, something which we haven't mentioned both recordings. So I think we forgot it because it was such an insignificant thing. Yes, we should mention bingo. No, not even bingo. I thought we were holding bingo. So we were going to mention bingo. I, I was go- holding bingo because I need to remember this guy's name. Yeah. Joseph Williamson just turns up. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention that, did we? Why the hell does he show up? He just appears. That's a point. And he mentions, he talks about, because Yaz asks him, what year is it? And he's sort of like, you know, it's the year, is it important what the time is? Yeah. He seems very offish. He just kind of appears and then walks what off again. What is going on with him? He just appears and goes off again. And so off. That is, yeah, yeah it's, it's almost such like a weird what moment that my brain deleted it yeah. from happening. Yeah, it's like... We haven't mentioned we've recorded this twice, and both times we forgot to mention it just because we both it's so insignificant, so weird. Yeah, it doesn't move the all the, the, the temple stuff is just like, yeah, you think we're not in a series? Let's do some fun stuff that might be important later, but might not be. Have fun. It's it's a plot point going to be which Joseph Williamson has somehow managed to turn his way to some sort of like temporal shift, which teleports him there. Yeah, maybe. Like that's like. He isn't hunted down by these free triangle of people either. He just kind of turns up and goes, Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. And we never see him again. Like he doesn't even like 
comedically if they're is he thing being with- like controlled because there was always this chat about that he was like doing the tunnels for like a higher force is it is that the force I don't know it's that's why but the there's more, a lot of questions. Like, why would the force be making him dig to this place? It just doesn't make much sense. <laughs> For now. Hopefully it may make sense yeah. sooner. You know, the the, the thick mist will clear yeah. and we will have our trailer shot for the Doctor. And also we will find um yeah, we'll like, find out I, our answers. I thought he'd like be getting engaged at this point in doing stuff. No, not no, yet. He's he, just mystical old man. <laughs> he just turns up and goes Hello, I'm still here. And then, then <laughs> goes, Remember me, I'm Joseph Williams. And then, then she goes, Bow! And you never see him again. <laughs> it's like the most bizarre thing. So, anyway, yeah, so I, I think, yes, it's good. It brings up the good questions. But also there's just issues with random plot, literally going to plot corners and forgetting to resolve them. Hmm. Endings are rushed. Very expositional-based dialogue. It was an enjoyable watch, which is the most important thing. Yeah. There are many what-the-hell sequences yeah. that go on. To be honest, I mean, if I'd give a score, I wouldn't say much different to you. I'd, yeah. I'd give it a seven as well. And to be honest, most of the points you made, I would make. Chibnall has got you engaged. I think the fact that he's doing it is more of like a linked series of episodes which have one underlying story is helping. Yeah. I think it suits him. And we were speculating that it would, and I think it has. So credit. I am engaged. I am interested in where it's going. But, like you said, the plot conveniences are a big issue. And it is kind of like you're looking at a house with all the Christmas lights on. And once you go through the door, you realise that inside is just the same old house that it was. It's it's all kind of like nice, splashy stuff on the surface. We're like, oh, it's really good. It's but... like it's like when you see those really nice cakes, which have got really nice icing going wrong with the outside. Mm, I, like, yes, I like cake. But it's just made out of cardboard. <laughs> like, yes, it looks delicious. It looks amazing. But underneath that icing... It's like the reverse, everything is cake meme. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> everything looks like cake, but it's actually not cake. It's like a tragic version. Yeah, so I think, yes, it's got plot points, plot, plot issues, but it is an enjoyable watch. It, yeah, I think Flux is going in an okay direction, which is yeah. more than I could have said for the last two series. So yeah. it's progress. Yeah. Baby Chibnall has only just taken two series to figure out to write how to write decent who. Because it, it's decent. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, yes, it's got writing issues, but equally, while we stood there, sat there watching it, we were perfectly happy watching it. Yeah, it was no problem. I, I was, I was enjoyable. I was engaged. I didn't get bored. It's, it's doing its job. And I mean, if you're coming to Doctor Who for best writing techniques, yeah, you're not ever, gonna get that. You're looking in the wrong place. Unless Russell's writing it, in which case, even okay. then, some he he has. Oh, his, yeah, okay. He, had, then, he did have he, questionable episodes. Even then, he had issues with his constant need to one up himself at every season end to a point yes. where he just kind it of did. It did end up with him trying to end all of time ever. Uh, so, although it, isn't the flux that? Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, if, if you're coming to Doctor Who for a writing masterclass. Why are you watching Who for a writing masterclass? And if you come to Doctor Who for podcasts for salient, serious conversations about Doctor Who, why do you come to this podcast? Because we are riding a horse. It's like the um, old old Spice adverts. Look away. Now I'm back. Now I'm riding a horse. <laughs> Look at your old podcast. Now back to me. I'm on a horse. <laughs> Can someone re-edit the old Spice commercial? So it's um, Commander, Commander Skak. <laughs> Just kidding. Look at where's your war squadron. Now back to me. <laughs> Riding a horse. 
But with that amazing note, I think it's time to draw the end to this podcast. Yes, on our second attempt. So apologies, this one here is a bit short. I'm not 100% sure what the timing's like, like, but it might be a little bit shorter than last week's because we had to record it all. In, we essentially record two podcasts in one oh, night. Oh, well, we survive it. Yeah. It'll go out at some point, whether that's in the morning or the evening. It'll be out sometime on the Monday. Yeah. Yes. Should be. Yeah. Cool. Pretty Pretty our mistake. I was going to try to get out tonight, but with a mistake, I can't be bothered. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening. Please come again and join us next week for... What's the next one called? Um, Once Upon Time, it's called, which is a bit clunky. Yeah, it's missing an A. It is an missing it. It's also got a comma. Yeah. Which is interesting. I never thought we'd talk about the punctuation in Dot Who titles, but this is this is where we're at. This is what happens when you buy Grammarly. Third of Angels... That's all right. Yeah, the Village of Angels is a good good title. I'm good with that. Yeah, it's a good one. It's got the. You don't have to get worried about trying to say the War of the Sondarans all the time. But this one, but next week's a bit of a weird title. Ah, We'll find out why it's weird. Um, If you enjoy this and you want to hear more of our musings, um, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you're listening to this now. And if you're interested to hear what we think about classic Doctor Who, because that's what we do when New Who isn't on. Uh, you can go find all of those down in our great big list of, of chats about who we've talked about. All of the Hartnell ones that yep. survive, and we're doing the Trouton ones. We've just finished Trouton season one. Uh, yeah, and we're going to be getting back to that in the new year once Flux has run yes. course. So, thank you very much. If you want to contribute in any way, you can tweet us at Black Archive Pod, or if you're old fashioned and like a good old email, you can email us Black Archive Pod at gmail.com let or, us know if you want to use snail mail good luck because we've got no PO box we don't have a PO box I think it's good we don't have a PO box to be honest every YouTuber that got a PO box always ended up getting sent like shit like just just mounds of shit <laughs> uh, yes um, yes we'll be back next week um, yeah. to talk about Once Upon Time um, it's been my name's been James. That's been Owen on the other side, and we'll see you then. Enjoy your week, enjoy the flux, and enjoy riding a horse. Old Spice. <laughs> now look at your horse, Scotchard. Now back to me. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Clear this human filth. With Old Spice! <laughs> the ultimate good defence against the Sontarans. <laughs> Clean this human filth. I hope that made the recording and you didn't stop it before. I still haven't stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to have like a one minute attentive. We just talk about Sontaran Old Spice. There we go, I'm stopping now. Yeah, go for it.